Welcome to Radically Transparent, the number one podcast for the modern day marketer, presented by Octopost, the only social media and employee advocacy solution architected for B2B. Each episode shines a light on the inner workings of B2B leadership, including what keeps successful CEOs, CMOs, and VPs up at night professionally. The conversations are real, raw, and authentic, all while revealing the unfiltered, not-so-known truths of today's most interesting marketers. Introducing your host, Jennifer Gutman. Hello, world. Recently named in the top 10 LinkedIn influencers to follow, my next guest is most certainly a LinkedIn influencer. He's known for his humorous edge, making everything he says so much easier to listen to, and using numbers to break through noise, it's fantastic. He's consulted companies like IBM, Google, and Microsoft, working with some of the leading top thinkers in their industry. Please welcome Matt Bailey, lead trainer and founder at SiteLogic to the show. Matt, are you ready to get radically transparent with me? Absolutely, Jen. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, listen, you are the man, the myth, the legend. Anybody who's following along with you on LinkedIn, I mean, your posts are phenomenal. You really craft, I'd say, some really thought-provoking posts that do stop my feed. So I'm looking forward to having everybody go ahead and give you a follow to do the same. But I want to hop right into it, right? This is radically transparent. And I'm just so curious for somebody in your shoes, what on earth is keeping you up at night professionally these days? Wow. Oh, it's, you know, it's a great question because, you know, when I, when I owned an agency, it was business stuff. It was clients, it was employees, it was that. Um, So for me, the agency business was fun, great, but now doing training. Now what keeps me up is how do I teach something effectively? Whether it's a principle, whether it's, um, you know, a tactic, whether uh, something, how do I teach it effectively? So is there a metaphor that I could use? Uh, but more, I think about activities. So what's an activity that someone could do both if, if we're in person? What's an activity you could do that would, number one, show that you understand it and that you can apply that. And I can look at it and see, yeah, you've got it. Or also it's an activity that could be done virtually uh, because right now still probably about uh, most of my training is done virtually. So how do we translate that experience where I can teach for a while, give an assignment, and then someone does that activity to demonstrate, yes, we've got it. Uh, that's, that's what keeps me up is how do we, how do we make learning much more tangible, much more fun, uh, and turn it into coaching rather than lecturing? <laughs> well, listen, I guess your work is certainly cut out for you and it would keep me up as, at night as well. I think what's interesting about what you're doing at SiteLogic is the fact that you're, right, essentially digital marketing, right? It's it's not new, but for so many, how to do it is new and needs to be yes. upskilled. And I think, right, we hear this term thrown around digital transformation in so many organizations, some of it, right, like we've been transforming for seven years, right? 10 years, <laughs> um, we've been talking about this. But what have you seen over the past few years that you would say are the skills that they're never going out of style, no matter what role you have as a digital marketer? 
<laughs> you have been reading my posts. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, this has really become a passion of mine over the past year, mainly because every year I get asked by companies, can you do a webinar on the next trends? And, and really, uh, because they're trends, they're going to go out of style. Uh, why don't we do something about what people need so that they don't go out of stock. You know, I, for example, I wouldn't want to have been the Vine specialist or the Google Plus specialist because now, because of, of matters out of your own hands, now you don't have a job. So we need generalists. We need people who understand the full breadth of not just digital marketing, but marketing that can understand that. And, and when you have that broad understanding, then you can drill down because you understand the part that each plays. Now, it starts with, I, I, I'd say, digital and media literacy, understanding how digital works. But not only that, understanding media literacy, because in our digital marketing world, it is consumed with thousands of uh, I, I don't, blogs, websites. I hesitate to call them news because it's all sensational. You know, Google changed an algorithm. It makes the headlines. Media literacy means that none of that bothers me because I'm not being swayed by what is sensational right now. I, I equate it to investors. You can be a short-term investor, watch the market rates and stress every day. Or you can be a long-term investor who doesn't look at the market change every day, but you're slowly gaining, increasing. You may not have massive yields like a short-term investor, but you're going to be there and you're going to consistently build. So that's, that's why media literacy, taking what you need from articles rather than being swayed by that. The second thing is that'll never go out of style is writing. Being able to write well. Uh, and, and I would put into that another part of this is simply presentation and communication. Anything you do in digital media, you're, you're communicating with clients, you're communicating with peers, you're communicating with, with other people by email, by Zoom, uh, in person maybe. And so the ability to communicate, uh, the, the online marketing uh, certified professional certification. Uh, they did a role delineation study and it found that 25% of people's time in digital marketing is spent presenting, presenting strategy, practice, and results. So that means you're presenting to stakeholders, managers, C-level, 25% of the time. And so those presentation skills, communication skills are essential. Uh, and then one that I find extremely lacking in marketing, but moving forward, it's always been important, but it's, I'm amazed at how much this is in demand. It's analytics, simple ability to number one, analyze data tables. Number two, to ask questions about the data that focus on the, the business objectives. And so learning how to work with data, how to gain insight from data, and then turn that into a recommendation, an action, something that we can do right now. That's probably one of the, the biggest skills that is absent among the marketer's skill set. Uh, and I find that consistently uh, across big brands, small companies, individuals. Uh, social media is much more fun, but analytics is what's going to keep you... <laughs> 
that's what's going to keep you locked in either on a job or at a professional level. Listen, I think I think that's an interesting point that you bring up. You know, something that we're seeing, which I think is along that trend line, if you will, is when it comes to social media specifically, right? We're in the social space. We're seeing that the social media manager oftentimes does struggle with the, the data in front of them. Like what, what, right? Why measure something if you don't know how to action the data? So it's, it's, it's challenging because the, the social media role specifically, and maybe we'll get into this in a moment, right? Usually they're perceived kind of as an entry level or a junior position. You can maybe work your way up to director level, but then I'm just curious to throw this at you. It might be a little bit of a curveball, but from a, from when you're thinking, right, of upskilling, a marketer's career, right? And social media managers, they're a relatively new breed of a role. Mm-hmm. You think through the career path of a social media manager to CMO, is that something, right? It's, it's, I'm not seeing that. And, no. and it almost seems that perhaps that lacking skill of the ability to, to understand or make sense of data, right? If we can fill that gap, We may be able to help much more uh, social media managers perhaps get on that career track that it's not necessarily a dead end job, but it's going to grow with the company. Yeah, right now, I mean, the, the co- I would say the career track for anyone in social media or social media manager is, yeah, you'll get into content um, and, and maybe you become the content manager, but you better understand how that content works in SEO and paid search and, uh, you know, and all other things, as well as in usability and conversion optimization. You know, there are so many disciplines here. Um, and they, most of them are data centric. They have feedback that you need to know and apply. When I talk to social media managers, the number one overwhelming question I get is, how do I justify what I'm doing? And that is a big question. And it's a big red flag because that means you're showing up to meetings with data that isn't impressive. And now, as I'll say this, as marketers, we already have a reputation of being, you know, the idea people that come to the meeting and, oh, we got to do this latest thing. And, and the thing is, compared to other uh, departments, we don't really stack up when it comes to, you know, here's what I produced. Here's what it was worth. Here's the contribution to the company's bottom line. You know, we're not production. We're not customer service. We're all these things. We're the idea people. And because of that, marketing typically doesn't get a seat at the big kids table. We're at the little kids table because we're idea. And then when we come and say, oh, we got likes, we got comments and it went viral. Unless you put a dollar sign on that, nobody cares. And that's when people say, I need to justify it. What you need to do is translate what you're doing into dollars. That's what people want. And that's what gets you a seat at the big people table. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We all listen. We all want to sit at the big kids table, right? Yeah. <laughs> when I, I, listen, I completely agree. Tying social media to revenue. I mean, that for any organization, that that's the key, right? That's That's the gem. That's the jewel. That's the diamond. That's what we're all seeking to do. How... I mean, do we know, is there an industry standard? Is there a magic formula <laughs> to turn that into dollars? Well, there's two lines of thought here. One is when we're talking about social media and return on investment, what we're looking at now is a very short-term return. Because what we're trying to say is action A 
resulted in outcome B. And that's one way of looking at it, but it's only one side of the equation. The other side is we start thinking about what true attribution is, um, what true branding is, that's long-term. And if, you know, one of the, the things that the pandemic taught us is once you turn off your budget, what happens? Do people still buy? And over the pandemic, numerous companies stopped spending everywhere because they weren't sure what was going to happen. Companies like Procter & Gamble, companies like, I think like Target, some of the others, they saw no change in sales, even though they stopped advertising. So now we have two lines of thinking. Are we thinking about we're brand building through social media or are we looking for an immediate response? Those are both two different methods of measurement. And now, unfortunately, your branding is so much more difficult. So you've got to show how your social media is contributing to the branding efforts into winning people's hearts and minds. You can't do an ROI calculation on that. Now, if I have a specific campaign where I'm trying to reach a specific group of people, drive them to a specific destination, and at that destination, there is something they can accomplish. And it's, if it's clickable, it's measurable. That I can put a return on because now I'm driving someone to a destination, whether I'm doing registrations, uh, downloads, watch a video, something, we can apply some financial aspect to that. And then that's what we can present. The problem is a lot of social media managers, they're, they're in the, the, the hamster wheel of, I've got to show ROI all the time, ROI. And so I grab the most immediate numbers. I throw them there, even though they don't show it. And that damages your reputation within a company. All right. So here's my next question for you. When it comes to social media managers, right? And they're looking at being able to tell the right story to the right person at the right time as they're creating their content. And at the end of the day, executives are looking to tie that dollar value, right? Over what a social media team is doing. Mm -hmm. Where's the balance in a campaign or in understanding these numbers between recognizing that you're working right with people and you're trying to provide a friendly experience, winning the hearts and minds versus the process, right? Because at the end of the day, what you said was as long as it's clickable, right, we can measure it. But in yeah, the yeah. world of marketing, we all know, right, some of the biggest impact or intent data, right, it's not necessarily clickable. So how, what's that balance look like? Well, and you said the magic word of process. There's process metrics that are generated by every platform. And the problem is that they really don't lend themselves to reporting. Um, they're more activity. What happened? And the problem is when you take those metrics and, and by that, I mean the likes, comments, shares, you know, the, the, the activity metrics. Those aren't insights. Mm. That, that's, you know, and that's one of the things we, we really have to drill in in the training is a number that you pick out of a report is not an insight. An insight is a question that drives you to learn what's the connection between this and that. That's going to require looking at multiple data sources. It's going to drive into that intent data. So number one, if I'm working with an agency and they give me a report and on the report, they give me an engagement rate. 
immediately I toss that out and I tell them, don't ever put that on the report again. Because what you've done in order to come up with an engagement rate is you added together all the likes, comments, shares. And by the way, did you also add in the clicks to my site? Did you add in the ad clicks? Did you add in that? Is that considered engagement? So we need to have a clear definition of what engagement is, but you're taking three different actions, you're adding them together, and you're calling it engagement rate. And in doing that, you've stripped out all the meaning that those three metrics have. So, for example, like on uh, just likes, the approval rate, how many people liked it? Well, by itself doesn't give you any information. But if I look at what I've done over the past quarter, say I've made 20 posts over the past three months, and I add up all the likes and divide them by posts. Now I've got an average, an average number. Now I have a baseline. Mm-hmm. Now I have something to compare to. So I have my average. Now I can go back and look at those 20 posts and which ones were well above average. What was the theme? What was the content? What was the date or time? And was there something that I can associate to? Now I'm drawing a little bit of an understanding about what is my audience like and what do they don't like? I do the same thing with shares and comments. Um, So that's one way I can start to understand what are people responding to and what are they not responding to? In a way, I'm letting them train me into what content to produce in order to get more of those types of engagements. But an engagement rate, a cost per engagement, get rid of them. They're useless. I full-heartedly agree with that statement. Uh, I have had this conversation countless times uh, you know, in, in our industry. I agree with that a thousand percent. So listen, I have appreciated this conversation. I have two questions left for you. One right. is, right, you've given us so much thought, right, around upskilling, ways to think when it comes to social media, when it comes to digital marketing. If anybody listening in is looking to upskill their team or have these radically transparent discussions to get marketing to go from the kids table to the big kid table. Is that someone we can, are you someone we can rely on? Where can we reach you? What's the best way to get in touch? Absolutely. Um, I have online courses that people can take and they are not simply just watching videos. They are coached courses You'll get a little bit of a primer, but then you'll have assignments that you work on. And then I evaluate them uh, with my team. And so you get immediate feedback on your assignments to, and and here's what I love about it. I don't grade them because you don't get graded at work. I just tell you to do it again, which is what you get told at work. Uh, So that's what we do. Uh, And that is at learn.sitelogic.com. Uh, We've got courses in the full breadth of digital marketing. Uh, I've got two courses right now on analytics and going to be uh, launching a third on how to present data uh, to stakeholders, management, C-level, how to present and, as you said, get that seat at the big kids table (laughs) through my presentation. So learn.sitelogic.com. Also have a podcast uh, called The Endless Coffee Cup that you can subscribe to on almost any platform. Fantastic. We'll certainly be doing that. And my last question for you, Matt, is, listen, I've definitely, I went on LinkedIn. I read your posts. I listen to your podcast. I know a lot about you, but is there anything you can tell us today about yourself that we actually cannot find out from simply looking at your LinkedIn profile? (laughs) 
Well, LinkedIn is all professional. So um, I would say personal. I am a husband. Uh, we just had our 25th wedding anniversary this year. Uh, and I have four daughters, three are teenagers and one is in her 20s. Um, so I, I am a full on family guy. Um, and then kind of as a hobby, I keep bees and uh, I build custom hives uh, for better survivability in our climate. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, I've never been a fan of bees. I know they're great for the earth, but I've always personally been terrified. But, you know, <laughs> no, they're wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Once you get and once you get to know them, once they get to trust you, I, sometimes I don't even wear the suit because they, wow. they know I'm not there to do anything. Uh, but when I take the honey, I wear the suit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, Matt, thank you for getting radically transparent with me. And I hopefully look forward to doing it again soon. Oh, thank you, Jen. This has been wonderful. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Radically Transparent podcast brought to you by Octopost, the only social media management and employee advocacy platform architected for B2B. I'm Jennifer Gutman, your host and director of social strategy here at Octopost. And if you love today's show, we'd love if you subscribe, rate, and give a raving review wherever you get your podcasts. For more discussion on B2B social media marketing, be sure to follow Octopost on LinkedIn. And of course, to gain access to all our free social media marketing and employee advocacy resources, head on over to our website, www.octopost.com. Until next time.